Thank you for listening to the Convergence House of Prayer podcast. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Greg Seamus. It is Mother's Day. How many are grateful for moms? How many would not be, you know what I'm saying? Uh, without, without, without ladies and moms and, and all that. And what I, what I, um, what I felt during worship um, is something I just want to bring an exhortation to. And I recognize that um, a lot of you have plans today, so I'm going to, special plans today. You're always going to have plans, but special plans today. So I don't want to, I certainly don't want to take you over that. But um, I just want to take a moment, talk about my mom, kind of get candid with you and a little bit vulnerable. Um, and then I want to, I want to address something that I think we're in the church, we're, we're actually doing better at, but I just want to kind of kick it, if I can use that word, uh, kick it to the curb, um, put it into it or whatever. And then, um, and then I want to kind of close with Proverbs 31. Is that cool? Everyone say that's cool because that's what I'm going to do anyway. So hopefully it's cool with you. Um, I, you know, I'm, you know, my brother and I, I, some people don't even believe I have a twin because I talk about him, you know, and he doesn't show up here. So, so people are telling me, ah, I don't even know. Come on, man. You're just making it up. So um, my mom was, my mom was a, um, my mom was a hardworking woman. And um, her parents, uh, her parents came over from Portugal. And uh, they landed in, in California, namely Oakland. And that's where she started. And her dad owned a business. And they moved from Oakland over to Half Moon Bay. And that's kind of largely where she was raised, was in Half Moon Bay. Her father suddenly died when she was 12. And she was the oldest of seven. Or she was the first, no, she's the one, two, three. She had two older brothers, two older brothers, and then it was her. And so, I think there was seven. I can't even remember. Anyway, a, a number bigger than three. Um, and, and when her father passed, she was really close to her dad. Um, she was... You know, if he would go under, if he would make a run to the local store, she would be the first to say, "Dad, can I go with you?" And so that was that was pretty crushing. I never had a chance to really dialogue about that with her. Like, how did she feel about that? I just know that when she turned 16, uh, she had to she had to work in order to to uh, keep the place that they were living in. The business went over to the to the brothers, and they. Uh, they just destroyed the business. Uh, it's kind of like the prodigal son, right? Like we talked about a couple weeks ago. They just took the business. They drove it to the ground. They partied. Um, and she was, when they were doing all of that, she was working, she started working as an accountant in an accounting firm at the age of 16. All the proceeds went to her mom. Um, so she didn't keep a penny. She, she would work. She would go, come home, she would give the paycheck to her mom, and her mom would, would use that to, to feed the family. So she, she, was, she was raised in that kind of, of culture, that kind of, that kind of environment. 
And, um, and she was never fully appreciated for all the things that she did. And that was really hard for her. Um, she, got, she got married um, to my dad kind of later, later in life. My dad was actually, I think, seven years older than my mom. My dad was a World War II veteran. And, um, and they, started up, they started the family. I have, an, I have an older sister. But I remember just a couple things that she told me. I mean, she had a hard life, but she really taught me um, a strong work ethic. And I remember when I was, I don't know if I, there are times I kind of resented that um, because I, got, I started working so early in life. And so uh, there used to be a thing back in the old days called delivering papers. <laughs> and I don't know if, you, if, if, if any of you guys remember that, but, but it, like let's just say newspapers, okay? Because right now it's pretty much all right here. Um, but back then, there was actual newspapers, uh, and that you would, they would actually uh, take, the, take the, the, they used to call them bundles, and they, a truck would drive by, and they used to just throw these bundles out on your driveway, and you had the glorious responsibility of taking that. You might have 50 or 60 subscribers, and you would have to, on a daily basis, because I, work, I worked for the Daily Review. Does anyone remember the Daily Review? This is old time, right? So, uh, and so you had to fold those papers up and you rubber band them and then you, you would put them in a thing called pouches or a paper route bag, all right? You can look it up on Google. It's probably an antique picture. And then you would throw that paper route bag over your shoulder and you would have one compartment in the front and one compartment in the back. And you would have like 50 or 60 or you would have a great bike and you would actually throw the papers around the back end of a, I don't know, like a bumper thing, you know, in the back. And that's where you had your newspapers. And you would actually travel, bike, do your paper out, and you would, you would launch your newspaper and you would porch it every time like I did. <laughs> so um, and occasionally you would have dogs chase you. And uh, I remember I ran right over a juniper. My bike completely flipped because I was looking at this dog. He was nipping at my leg, and I was trying to pedal as fast as I could. And I was pedaling, 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 and I didn't see this huge, you know, junipers? Junipers are ungodly. Like, I think they appeared after the fall, honestly. So, so there they are, and I, my front tire hits the middle of this juniper. My whole Stingray bike, man, just remember Stingrays? Just flipped over, papers went everywhere. The dog just was like... You know, smiling after destroying me. Um, so I started doing that when I was 12 and uh, had a paper route. My, my brother had, I think, a paper route. And my mom was teaching me how to write checks. Now, that's, that's something in the past, I understand, but there were actually checkbooks, and you actually used a pen, and you wrote a check, and then you would, you, do, you know, anyway... And so we would actually have to go collect money. Um, and so we would go to houses, and, and I would say, it's $2.50 a month for your newspaper. Someone would give me $3 expecting change back. So I had to have quarters with me, and you'd have to do your... Anyone ran a paper route? I know I'm dating some people on this, but... Okay, so you guys remember those, those stories. And so that's mom. Mom was... Um, Mom understood the value of work and, 
and taught us on the early, and I didn't want to, honestly, did not want to do that, did not want to, but we did. And, um, and then I remember, like, it went, there was now a morning routes, and so now I was working in the morning before school, 6 a.m., getting up, folding papers, and, and then delivering papers early in the morning, and then going to school. So, but she, she taught me how to, like, write a check. She taught me how to, she provided a work ethic for me. And one of the things that she, um, she always used to say to me is, uh, because she, my mom was not a believer. She was, I, I believe she became a believer, but she was raised uh, Catholic and never, didn't receive the Lord, didn't understand what it even meant to, re, you know, to receive Christ into your heart. But she was faithful to, to, to the Catholic Church and firmly believed in Mary and being sinless and, you know, all those things. Um, and then we went, we went twice a year to church, pretty faithful, because we didn't miss Christmas or Easter. And so we would go twice, twice a year pretty faithfully. And, and she introduced me to religion, um, and she really pushed religion uh, pretty well. She, she pushed it hard, but only as an ingredient as a, in the bigger picture. So she always used to tell me, everybody needs a little religion, son. Everyone needs a little religion. I found out that we don't need religion. You know, we need to find Jesus and have a relationship with the Lord because religion is mainly man's search for God. It's, it's our system that we create to reach up, to find, to, to appease a God that's already, it's already been taken care of with the blood of Jesus, right? So now God comes down to us. We don't have to reach up. He's already coming down. And so, does that make sense to everybody? I feel like I need to take another message on that. Um, I'm almost done with my mom, but, but one of the things that she used to say to me is that, um, son, always, no, I don't, hopefully I didn't take this into my adult life or my 20s and 30s and so forth, but always think of yourself as the greatest because no one else will. And that was her way of saying, um, have confidence in yourself. Have confidence in your gifts. Have confidence in your abilities. Have confidence in how you've been created. You know, she didn't have the language for that, but but um, but as she was being raised, she was she was constantly criticized, and she was criticized by her brother. She was criticized, and she didn't want that for her sons. She didn't want that for her daughter, and so she would she would try to instill that. Those around you might not believe in you. They might mock you. They might criticize you. But you have to believe in yourself. Now, we understand scripturally, you know, that all of it comes from the Lord, right? And our foundation is in Christ. But back then, that was, that was very helpful because I, I was involved. I was pretty active. Uh, you can't really tell now, but I was pretty active in sports um, I, was, I was engaged in a lot of that kind of stuff, and we didn't have iPhones running around. You know, we, we actually did, anyway, I don't want to get on a bunny trail. But So she, these are the things that she instilled, and, and, um, and I'm thinking about that on Mother's Day, especially because she's passed now. She's, she passed away about two, two years ago. Um, she was 80, 86, 85, I can't quite remember but she passed on, and so she never, um, she never remarried. Uh, my dad passed away when, I was, uh, when he was 56, um, and so she lost, her, she lost her dad, and she lost her husband. 
Um, and she lost my dad, obviously. And so my dad passed away when I was 18. And so I lost my dad. And so that's been a, but she's always been that stabilizer, even after losing my dad and her losing her husband, she had to manage life on her own. And so she was kind of going back to where she was when she was 16. And, and you know, none of us are perfect. Look at the person next to you and say, that's true. That's true. But we can, we can always glean from a life, can't we? We can always glean from a life, can't we? We, we can always glean great things from a life, can't we? And, uh, and I just want to say that, that, uh, that moms or dads, we're not perfect people. Um, and we try and serve the Lord wholeheartedly. We try and love the best way we can. But many of us are being conformed into the image of Jesus. And it, it's, that's going to take not only here, uh, that's not only going to take time here on earth, but I think even through eternity, even though we'll have a glorified body, we're going to keep learning about the Lord. And so that's something that, and especially in the light of Father Heart, really understanding the Father Heart of God, you have to go back and you have to look at your parents and forgive them. Because there's, there's no mom or dad that's perfect and we've all made mistakes. And some of us have, have brutal, like really horrible situations. But God is totally bigger than that. And, uh, and he can bring healing to the worst-case scenario, and he can, re- he can resurrect and change relationships forever. Amen? Is there faith in the room? Okay. So, so I, I want to I also um, kind of, that was part one. All right. Everyone say amen. Check. This is going to be part two. Part two, um, I, was, I, wasn't, so I wasn't raised in the church. Um, I wasn't, Wendy was, Wendy was fifth generation preacher, you know, she's sixth generation, I don't know what, six on, five on four on one side, five on the other, anyway, she has people, friends, I mean, she has family who traveled with Smith Wigglesworth, like lightweights like that, you know, and like, you know, been connected to Billy Graham, like, like, you know what I'm saying, people who aren't really changing the earth or the world, didn't have any impact, and so, and so, but I, I, I wasn't. I, I was raised, you know, I was raised in the in a different environment altogether. And um, when when I started, when the Lord called me at the age of nineteen in the full time ministry, and that's when I began to study. And I went to Bible college, and that's where I met Wendy. And she got, I got my degree, and she got her MRS period degree. Um, and she graduated, and I graduated. You know, so. <laughs> but um, so then I started so then as I got into ministry I started running into something like women um, aren't as valued as men in the church and I'm like what? And so, even reading back to, reading back recently on the Reformation and, and studying guys like Luther and studying guys, uh, John Calvin, 
you know, the, you know and, and how they had such a disregard for women. To me, it's appalling. And, you know, when I, when we do these, when we've done this, some of these marketplace things, and I've had to come up, they've asked me to come up, um, passion talks, not passion talks, passion talks, passion talks. When they come up to me and say, hey, Pastor Greg, can you please give 10 minutes and, 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 um, and validate those in the marketplace? And I'm like, what? Like, what do you mean validate those in the marketplace? They're sons and daughters of the living God. They don't need any validation. Their ministry is wherever the Lord has planted them. They're just as much a minister as I am. Yeah, that's true, but the church doesn't really believe that. They feel like they're not really valued. And then as I was studying, going through church history, and I was finding out how, how men were esteemed and women were actually taken, like, taken into this, this, this kind of at a lower, a second-class believer, like not in the eyes of the Lord, Right, but in the eyes of the in the eyes of the organized uh, church, and if you did a study on it, you would see just how the Catholic Church was. You know, all of that was developed, and there was bishops and popes, and you know, all these kinds of things. And women were, were kind of relegated to the behind the scenes intercessor. And I, I fully believe, and I acknowledge women in terms of interse- interceding. Men need to intercede. Boy, that was quiet. I, all I heard was women. I mean, that's. I mean, is Jesus not the great intercessor? Right. So, and then I was thinking about like and during worship, I just kind of jotted these things down, and and how the Lord gave. Uh, preeminence, like value, probably a better word, value to, to women in a culture that was saturated with men who uh, had no, no value in a culture where there was limited value or, or very little value for women. And if you looked at if you looked at the New Testament and you understood the culture of the New Testament and just the culture, not the, not the church culture, just the culture, Jesus was a flat-out radical and how he valued and how he esteemed women. And if you look at the Apostle Paul and you see the early church in Acts chapter 2, 3 and on, onwards, you see the, the extreme value that the Bible places on women. Amen. That was, that was. So when, when, we're, when we're in this context, when we're talking about Mother's Day and we're talking about the church and we're talking about like, and I see in how my mom was raised and I saw all the stuff that took place there and then I'm understanding the, in light of the church and we're, and how God has created us, we're both sons and daughters. And if I were to bring Wendy up, which I was tempted to, 
But not now. Wait, I will in a second. Well, she doesn't know. She doesn't like that stuff. But, but really, men and women give us the complete picture of the image of God. So how can you shut down women? You shut down half the image. That absolutely makes no sense to me. There's the masculine and there's the feminine. The feminine looks more like the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the nurturer, the one, the counselor. That's the Holy Spirit. How can you separate the Holy Spirit from the Godhead? Can't. And you can't separate women from the body. It makes no sense to me. I can get a little rowdy about that. So I don't know. I want to exhort you, ladies, that you are valuable, that you are important, that you are, I mean, any, any kind of adjective or noun or verb that you can possibly think of that's positive and uplifting and godly, that's who you are. You are not relegated. You're no second-class citizen in the body of Christ. So I want you to, I don't even know if you feel, I just feel like I need to get that out at Convergence House of Prayer, though we've had women preachers, we've had, we have women board members. Like, we have that over the years, and I'm just saying that it's right on and it's biblical. Most of the time, men can't accept it because they're too insecure. So when I was at a, when we were at the A school, Father Heart A school, this is, I just thought of this kind of, you know how the Holy Spirit does it, right? And so they brought the guys up and they were doing, they were, they they were doing this uh, forgiveness thing. And I'm okay. I'm, you know, I'm okay with that kind of stuff. You know, I'm, I'm not a big reconciliationary type dude. You know, like, um, which I think is is totally cool. But I just, just, I'm a little uncomfortable with it. You know, not because it's bad. Just because I don't like to be that vulnerable. That's just me. That's how I'm juiced, right? People washing my feet. I just, I just, and then me washing someone else's feet. I know it's, it has to do with humility. It's just a little uncomfortable. Anyone there where I'm feeling? Okay. I'm not going to have you wash each other's feet. I'm not gonna. I mean, I think it's powerful, so please don't misinterpret what I'm saying. And so there we are, and these guys are like asking for forgiveness to the women that are in the group, that are in the school which is powerful. And so it was, it was my turn because, you know, everyone, it's not, it's not going in order, but you know what I'm saying? Everyone else has spoken. <laughs> right? I mean, it's not, it's not going in order like a pecking order, right? But everybody has spoken, and there I am. And I'm a pastor, and they know it, Right? So there I am, a pastor, they know what everyone else has spoken, and I'm just like, Lord, just give me something. So he did. And I and I and I just kind of released it. I feel like I just want to release it now because I felt like it just was dropped in. And so I asked the I asked the ladies, please um, forgive us 
for being afraid of you. Being fearful. Feeling intimidated by you. And men generally don't, won't say that. But a lot of the reasons why we want to shut down something is because we're feeling very uncomfortable and very insecure about something. So sometimes it's just better to control the environment instead of coming right out and saying it. Like right now what you're doing, I'm feeling really insecure about what you're doing. A strong man who has, who's kind of growing in character is going to be able to a strong leader is going to want to embrace those that are moving more powerfully than they are. They welcome it. They see it as an added strength. Don't ever be afraid or insecure of your spouse who has spiritual gifts, let's just say this, that are maybe wider and deeper than yours. Because you're going to be strong in one area where she's weaker. And you're going to, and where you're weaker, she's going to be stronger. That's the full image of God. So instead of, instead of competing, embrace it. So after I said that, there were a couple oohs. Ooh, that was good. Ooh. You know, he had these little wow things, you know, that's what, and I don't, I'm not impressed with the wows, you know, but people like to, like, was that a wow moment? You know, they'll text on Instagram, you know, especially when Bill says something, you know. Bill Johnson and Redding, you know, they'll say something. Ooh, you know, text it. Wow. You know. <laughs> text it. You know, I love those two. Those one-liners, like, you got to remember those because only Bill Johnson can deliver that kind of stuff. You know, so if you look, at, if you look into the Word, you see, you see Eve... You see Sarah who believed, right? I mean, these are, these are heroes in the Bible. And I just wrote a few of them down when I was worshiping this morning. You have Miriam who prophesied. I mean, she was the worship leader in, she was the worship leader in Moses' camp. She had the tambourine. And I pray to God that she was in rhythm with that tambourine because I've heard people who weren't. And though I give praise to God for them, as a person, please get some rhythm lessons, all right? <laughs> Rahab, wow. Everything got quiet there. <laughs> Rahab, she's the lineage of Jesus. She believed. She's actually, Rahab is mentioned in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11. <gasps> Rahab? Yes, Rahab. Right there with Sarah and Moses and Abraham and all of that, all in Hebrews chapter 11, there is the prostitute Rahab. I believe her life completely changed once God spared her. We don't know people's history or past. We don't understand how broken they, people could be. Yeah, but God, right? Deborah, come on now. Judges, right? Deborah, 
leads God's people to victory. She's a prophetess. How can you, how can you ignore Esther? I mean, Esther shapes and changes the destiny of a nation because she was highly favored. Well, women shouldn't lead. Shut up. I don't know where that, I would love to know. I kind of have an idea. Elizabeth, she carried John the Baptist. Mary, come on. She believed. She took a a chance. She, She took on public shame, but she carried the Messiah. Mary Magdalene, the Bible brings her to light. Jesus cast out seven demons out of Mary. But she's last at the cross and first at the tomb. Mary Magdalene, the one who had seven demons. And then there's Lydia. Maybe I thought of her because my daughter's home. I don't know. But she was a seller she was a businesswoman. She was a, se- a seller of fine linen. You're telling me something. Just, anyway, so she was a businesswoman, but know what's, know what's super important about Lydia is that she's the one who started the work in Philippi because she invited the Apostle Paul into her house, and her whole house got saved. He was there for one week, and you have Philippians. It wasn't started by a group of dudes who had a good idea. The Lord favored a woman who invited an apostle into her house, and she got converted, and her whole family did. But she's mentioned in Scripture. That's the point. And then there's Priscilla and Aquila, right? Usually the man's name is mentioned first. But not here. The woman's name is mentioned first. It's Priscilla and Aquila. And they were the ones that connected with the Apostle Paul, especially, I think, I think it's in Acts 18, and they changed the whole European rim. And they just blew it open for the glory of God and how God used her to do so. So this whole idea, I, I don't know, that's, that's just my simple exhortation. Now, as we, as we kind of bleed into the afternoon, is that you, every woman here has, in the eyes of the Lord, and in the eyes of this guy right here, you are extremely valuable. We're so grateful to have you. If you're part of the Convergence family, we're so grateful that you're not just here, but that you're engaged. You know, not talk about engaged, because, you know. Some of you might want to be engaged. That there's ministry opportunities for everyone, especially you. And for me, there's, there's, never, there's never this tear. There's never this, you know, because theologically, both make up the image of God. And you can't slice God in half.
Does that make sense? So Proverbs chapter 31. With this I'll conclude. You guys ready? Verse 10. I'm reading out of the New King James Version only because I like the cover of this Bible. <laughs> if you know me, I love Bibles. And the, the, the greater the leather, the better I like it. So my NIV is sitting in my office and the New King James Version has leapt to the front of the stage. I'm not reading this out of the Passion Translation, though I believe it'll probably be really good. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her. So he will have no lack or gain. I mean, you can meditate on these verse by verse. She does him good and not evil. All the days of her life, she supports her husband. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it's still yet night. Well, for some women, that's true. And provides, some of you go to sleep at like way past in the, in the morning, right? She rises while still yet night and provides food for her whole household and a portion of her and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. From her profits, she plants a vineyard. She's an investor, right? She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff. Hmm, interesting word. And her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid to sn of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is in fine linen and purple. Her husband is known at the gates. That's the place of authority. That's where they did business transactions, were at the gates. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall receive in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Well, I only praise God, no. <laughs> Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. You keep going, ladies. Keep fearing the Lord, right? 
Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. So there's, there's nine things or eight, eight or nine things I just want to drop and this is how we will we'll close. Moral excellence. And this is, by the way, is for men too because this is actually, Proverbs 31 is actually a picture of the bride as well. So this is just not like, hey, look at that, Proverbs 31. Be like that, you know. Dude, let me talk to you after service. Just don't, <laughs> do not do that. Moral excellence. Trustworthiness. Committed to helping others. Diligent. Hardworking. Compassionate. Prepared. Dignified which means this the quality or state of being found worthy. And lastly, honored and blessed. Let me just read to you the last verse, Proverbs 31, 31, out of the Passion Translation. So go ahead and give her the credit that is due, for she has become a radiant woman. And all her loving works of righteousness deserve to be admired at the gateways of every city. Can I read that again? So go ahead and give her the credit that is due. For she has become a radiant woman. And all her loving works of righteousness deserve to be admired at the gateways of every city. So I just want to do a little prophetic affirmation. I want all the ladies to stand and all the men are going to clap super, super loud. And we're going to give you the credit that is due. Come on, ladies, I want you to stand. I'm sorry, I was thinking. Okay, you guys did really good. Ladies, remain standing. Don't, no, no, no. I knew. I said, you guys want to duck as soon as you can. You see, you know, you just, you know, we don't, except for my daughter, Lydia. She's like, she loves stuff like that. Okay, I want to do it one more time, and I want it to be twice as loud. All right? And I'm going to join you, and then I just want to pray over you guys and get you on to your next thing. That cool? All right, on the count of three. Gentlemen, I just, this thing's got to go twice as loud. And then, oh, yeah, then Jordan's going to come up. All right. See, details. All right. Here we go, guys. Ready? One, two, three. Twice as loud. Come on. Thank you. Now, we've been married 30, 35 years, 35 years. In fact, ladies, you're still standing, maybe because Wendy came up here. I'd like to have the guys stand too. 
Your day's coming in June. But I'm not going to be preaching. Ben Armstrong from Bethel's coming down, and he's going to preach. He better do a good job because I'm taking notes. So we've been married 35 years. Yikes. Um, I almost got it wrong. I almost said 34. But I just wanted to publicly do this because I really wanted to not embarrass you. She's still working on it. So they don't care. It's 35 or 34. She's that's fine. When I was thinking about today, and I was thinking about Proverbs 31, and I, she doesn't really like Proverbs 31 as much as she, you know, she, because sometimes you can read Proverbs 31 and think of all the holes that are missing, right? The things you're missing the mark on, like I'm not doing, you know, I'm not, but, um, but I, I think this is, this year I've grown to love and appreciate her like no other year. The sacrifice, the love, the devotion, the strength that she carries. I know I'm making, I, don't mean, I didn't mean to make her like whatever, but so if your spouse is with you, like, I don't know, probably didn't sound right, but just put your arm around, if your wife is with you, just put your arm around her and just, just in, a, in just a moment, I know obviously there's some who, but just let her know how much you love her and appreciate her. Um, and her, her gifts, like, blow me out of the water. Her willingness to serve others at a drop of a hat is crazy to me. And, uh, and so I love you. Thank you. Uh, I'm so glad that 34 years ago you chose me. That's nice. Uh, so, uh, but that's what family's about, right? I mean, right, 35 years, whatever it was, we're going to be talking about that at lunch, you know? Was it 34 years or 35 years? Let's go back to the date. Okay. I chose you before I said I do. That's true. You did. You chose me when you saw me. Okay, I'm kidding. Uh, there's my size. It's bad. bad. All right. So, Father, I just want to thank you for uh, all the ladies that are in this room. Thank you, Lord, for their gifts. Thank you for their calling. Thank you for their anointing. Thank you of just how much they mean to you. That you, um, according to Psalm 139, knit them together in their mother's womb. Thank you, Lord, for the uniqueness. And so, Father, we just want to bless every lady here. And we thank you so much for them. May this be the greatest Mother's Day ever. In the name of Jesus. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more messages like this, please subscribe. And thank you for listening.